was wire hangers doing in this closet when I told you no wire hangers ever? You can work till I'm half dead, and I hear people saying she's getting old. What do I get? A daughter! Who cares as much about the beautiful dresses I give her as she cares about me? G'day and welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. This is Tony the Tiger, the Thunder from Down Under. This is Brandon Ford. You lost again. But it's not fair. You're bigger than I am. It's not fair to win twice. Ah, but nobody ever said life was fair, Brandon. I'm bigger and I'm faster. I will always beat you. Then I won't play with you anymore. Ever! Don't you ever use that tone of voice with me, mister. Who do you think you're talking to? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to march yourself up to your room and you'll stay there until I tell you to come out. No, I won't. No, no, you won't. Yes, you will! Ow! Ow! Ow... I won't. Fine. Then I will put you outside and you will stay there until you're ready to apologize. No, I, I, I won't. I can't. What do you mean you can't? I, I, I have a podcast to do. There'll be no podcasting for you, mister. But, but it's about you. It's it's all about you. I, I'm the star. Yes, yes, you're you're the, you're the star. Well, I suppose it's all right then. Just don't fuck with me, Brandon. This isn't my first time at the rodeo. Okay. Well, I guess we'll be doing this episode of the Blind Rage podcast on pins and needles. <laughs> Because. Would you like some Pepsi? Ugh. <laughs> Syrupy piss water. Um, yes, and we were we, we are doing um, everyone's favorite story of domestic abuse, Mommy Dearest, this week, starring the oh so terrible Faye Dunaway. And uh, Diana the oh so terrible. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, she was pretty terrible too. Um, but before we get into the usuals, and by that I, I hope that doesn't include me getting smacked around again. That hurt, you know. <laughs> I told you to hold back. It was worth it for our art. Oh. Your ass for your art. It's going to leave a mark. 
Chick stick scars. I uh, I have to get the the plugs out of the way, mm-hmm. Daddy dearest. Um, so, I would like to encourage everybody to please check out my books on Amazon.com by typing in Brandon Ford into the search box because. Christmas is only a week away, and if you want to get those last-minute stocking stuffers, you can get some Brandon Ford titles in hardcover and paperback. And if you want to buy some uh, e-books, you can get them on Kindle. If you prefer audiobooks, you can certainly surprise someone with an Audible membership and send them some of my books in audiobook format. Um... Yes, and if you haven't already, please follow the Blind Rage Podcast Instagram, which you can easily find by typing in the Blind Rage Podcast. You can follow me on, I'm going to join you in just calling it Twitter, because X is just ridiculous. (laughs) So you can follow me on Twitter, at Brandon Ford, as well as Letterboxd, at Brandon Ford, and you are... Uh, on Letterboxd, it is Tony the underscore bear, with an underscore between Tony and the. Uh, and on Twitter, it is Madonna Horror. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, critiques, suggestions, recommendations, please feel free to email me directly at blindragepod81 at gmail.com. Please don't forget to stop by the official Blind Rage Podcast Facebook page to like and subscribe. And for the love of God, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Blind Rage Podcast on your preferred podcasting platform. Now, before we get into Mommy Dearest, let's grab our beanbag chairs and get comfy and cozy because we're going over to Recent Views Corner. Mm Mm-hmm. The big paper mache tree. So tell me, Daddy dearest, what have you been watching as of late? Yes, uh, uh, Christopher, I'll just uh, untie you from your bed and we can discuss. Yeah. Yes, um, please do that. So, <laughs> so I watched a gay romantic, um, not so much comedy, called Red, White, and Royal Blue, which. Uh, oh, they made that into a movie. Yes, I didn't know that. I I know the, I I know the book. I I haven't read it because it doesn't sound very good. <laughs> the The movie was enjoyable enough. Um, it was cutesy. I found it a little bit boring. Um, yeah, it sounded though, boring because it sounded a lot about like politics and shit. See, I think I would have preferred it if they um, looked more into the politics. Um, simply because I feel that the story deserved better than a romantic comedy backdrop. Um, but I think that we're in that stage, that that phase of gay movies where they need to delicately give them out to the audience. Um, I think maybe in a few years' time we can afford to have like just a uh, a, a good budget gay thriller or something like that. But at the moment, yeah, they're just some very delicate gay movies. Um, and the other movie that I watched was one that you saw and I didn't really like called Vivarium. Uh, about I didn't really like it either. Yeah, no, I got that. <laughs> I'm not saying you liked it. <laughs> but sometimes I will enjoy a movie more than you did. Um, 
basically, I just uh, wrap it up as saying it reminds me of someone who bought like a lizard aquarium, watched them, and then decided to make a storyline replacing them with humans, and like it seemed very much just like um, quite repetitive in the one well, place. It was. Yeah. Um, very weird. It, it, I was, was happy too, to give it a watch, but yeah, I won't watch it again. It was too Twilight Zoney. I don't know. I mean, I never really saw the Twilight Zone to say, but I feel like this one might have been trying for more symbolism and stuff like that that wouldn't be present in a Twilight Zone. Yeah, I think it was trying to be smart when it was not. Like... The only indication I have of that is the very opening sequence. It shows a uh, a nest with um, a bird kicking out another bird to sort of raise its young. And mm-hmm. sort of then seeing that happen with the couple in the movie raising a, like an alien child. Mm. Mm-hmm. And how about yourself? Um... I finally got to check out Talk To Me. Oh, okay. Which was not only an Australian production, but an Adelaidean <laughs> production. It certainly you was. Know this? <laughs> yes. You knew this? Okay. Yeah, it was a film just around the corner from you. That's crazy. Um, it was... Um, it was fine. I mean, I didn't hate it. I didn't, I don't really have anything negative to say about it, but I, it was, it was enjoyable enough. I wouldn't say that I loved it enough to want to buy it or anything. Um, but it seemed like it was a very updated version of, uh, like a story with kids getting together to have a seance with a Ouija board. Yeah. Um, only it was with an embalmed hand. And the stakes were a lot higher because when you let the spirit in, the spirit possessed you. And the rule of the game was that you had to blow out the candle to... Uh, to get rid of the spirit after 90 seconds and if you don't you're kind of in trouble and of course that's what happens and every time one of the kids in the group got possessed um, of course everybody had to record it with their camera phones Um, that made it kind of obnoxious Um, yeah, I thought that was done almost for laughs. Uh, not that I, that was in the preview. Like, it, and when I saw the preview, a few people in the audience cackled at that thought. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah. I mean, that's what I thought. You know, made it such a such a modern uh, version of yeah. the retelling. There's a. I don't. I think it is the Australian uh, Blu-ray uh, Steelbook, but there. Uh, Maybe it's not. I don't know. But there's a version. This is so stupid. There's a version of the physical Blu-ray or 4K that is like blank. And it comes with a marker. And you're supposed to trace your hand and (laughs) use that as the cover. Just so stupid. Um, Draw a turkey. 
Yes. Um, so yeah, that was that was okay. Um, and I also watched a horror comedy uh, that uh, was a Jason Blum Jason Blum produced. It's called Totally Killer. Ah, uh, I intend on watching it. I've seen ads for it. Yeah, it was on. It's on Prime. Yes. And um, it was okay. It reminded me a lot of Happy Death Day. It was yeah. that kind of humor. And but one thing that really, 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 really annoyed me was the fact that it says. It says it in a crawl, and it's and the characters say out loud that the year is 2023, and they keep referencing murders, a triple murder that took place on around Halloween in 1987, and they keep saying it was 35 years ago. Somebody's math was off. <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, but oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's one that that dating mathematics is difficult for me as well because sometimes like you know, nineteen eighty eight would be one year ago. Like it's a case of you having to do it from day dot is a year. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, um, as far as the performances. I mean, the story was fine, and I mean, it wasn't really anything groundbreaking or original, but and I didn't find it particularly funny, and I didn't think that the reveal was anything special. Yeah. It was another, it was a mid-tier movie. Uh, Happy Death Day was definitely better. Um, and I did find the performances of the kids to be more modern day they didn't seem like 80s kids at all and there was uh one kid who was white and he was kind of doing the urban accent to try to be cool and it's like no kids weren't doing that in 1987 um were they not no they were not not in america um and but they had some good eighties songs. There was one, you know, the song. I think it's by Shannon. It was like an eighty. It was a dance song in the eighties. Let the music play. Um, maybe. Yeah, I think I do. Yes. Well, I liked it how they incorporated that song um, during one of the chases between the killer and one of the victims, because you keep hearing the the lyric. Let the music play. You won't get away. Yeah, I thought that was that was a cute little touch. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was that was fine. Again, nothing I care to own or see again. Yep, yep. But I didn't hate it. Oh, that's good. That that's long reviews from you. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Especially since I fucking hate everything. <laughs> it was a tolerable punch in the face. It was, yeah. I was able to endure and overcome um, just like I'm and yet you persisted just like I'm somehow going to be able to get through this thing (laughs) alright so we're going to watch Mommy Dearest which is I believe on YouTube 
So if you want to watch along, feel free to do so because we are going to begin in three, two, one, play. Uh, now, I don't know if you heard this, but John Waters um, famously said that this was the first time a woman played a drag queen role. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. He said that if he had made this movie, he would have made a man play Joan Crawford. He well, I could made... easily see Divine playing. <laughs> yes, that's what he said. He said he would have made Divine play. Well, Divine does have some mommy dearest moments in uh, Female Trouble. Yes. So, and that was I think, I'm pretty sure that was even before the, the book Mommy Dearest. <laughs> Doesn't she hit her with a car aerial? A car aerial, yeah. <laughs> And in Australia, <laughs> this is something that used to be done. People would get their um, coat hangers and actually replace the car aerial with the coat hanger. But like, okay. uh, yeah, shape, I've seen that. Shape the wire into the um, shape of the country. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I haven't seen that. That's a little crazy. Well, there was this one time I ran out of coat hangers and I ripped out my car aerial. Hmm. As you do. Mm. Um, the uh, the thing with the, uh, the scrub ice water. <laughs> um, oh, and but that he said that was something that Kathleen Turner did on the set of Serial Mom. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, is it effective? Yes, it is. Okay. It makes your skin real tight. After getting it really hot. Okay. Well, I know. No, that... no, you don't do the hot. Oh, okay, okay. I know you're that supposed... it said that when you shower, sorry, just, when you shower, you're supposed to end, like, the last minute with really yes. cold. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because it makes your skin really tight. Um, Closes up your pores. It does, yeah. Um, but all this stuff with her cleaning in the movie was fabrication, because according to Christina, Joan never scrubbed anything. She okay. was a germaphobe, but she but she did not do the cleaning or the scrubbing. She would yeah. make the kids do it, or she would make the help do it. She wasn't yeah. scrubbing shit. Yeah. She was certainly not getting on her hands and knees and scrubbing the floor. I wonder why they included that in the story. I guess it was to show what a neat freak yeah, she yeah. was. The, I'm not mad at you, I'm mad at the dirt... She never really said that. <laughs> but the first iconic line of the movie. Um, when did you first see this? Um, I want to say maybe ten years ago. Okay, so not too, not too far. Yeah, uh, it was. I reckon it, it had big. It was a movie that I had heard about before that, but that without re really realizing that it was the movie that I'd heard about. Okay. Um, and that was in regard to the wire hanger beating. Um. Yeah. 
I had I had heard about it, but I didn't really know what it was. I thought it was just a biopic of John Crawford or something along those lines, and I really couldn't give a shit. Yeah. About John Crawford, um, so I never really bothered. The only time, the only thing that made me watch it was when I found out that the D, there was a DVD with a John Waters commentary. So I, I'm, I got it rented it from Netflix, and um, I listened to the commentary first, of course, mm-hmm. because it's John Waters, and then I watched the movie. Oh, do you mean you rented the DVD through Netflix? The DVD. Yeah, Yeah, that's how long ago it was. It was like 2010, 2009, 2010. Did you ever have those red boxes? I never used them. My father did. Yeah. That's, uh, I never used it here, but I sort of remember appreciating them being after we got rid of all of the DVD stores, but they didn't really last long either. I think they are... We still have them, but they're kind of scarce. We at least we we can still rent from um, libraries, so that's something. We're ready for you, Miss Crawford. Yeah. <laughs> well, I um, I think my biggest gripe with the movie is, uh, besides Faye's horrific acting, um. Is it? They took a story that was supposed to be Christina's and made it Jones. Um, because Mommy Dearest is not Joan's story; it's Christina's story about being abused. Yeah, like how would Christine know anything that happened here? Yeah, um, but I guess Joan was the draw card for the audience for the movie, and I would say I would say the same for the book. Well, Christina and her husband did write a draft of the script and it was rejected um, mm-hmm. by Frank Blanc. It was like, we don't want to take the movie in this direction. There was actually 18 different scripts that were written. That's sad. <laughs> and I think uh, Frank Blanc and Frank Perry wrote their own in like 10 days yeah I don't really know Frank Perry's movies um, but John Waters is a fan of him and I guess in some circles John was referred to as the underground Russ Meyer and in some review for something he did, I don't know. Um, a critic said, I don't consider John Waters the underground Russ Meyer. I consider him to be the underground Frank Perry. And John took that as a compliment. He was like, I love <laughs> Frank Perry's movies and he loves this. And he doesn't mm. love it in an ironic way. He genuinely thinks it's a really good movie. Yeah. Um. I think it's a good movie. I know you just like. I think Faye did well. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a good movie. <laughs> I think it's very, very campy, and it's very over the top. Um, and it's again, again, it's it's 
It's not, telenovela. It it's mel yeah, it's a melodrama, but it's not true to the book. And there are certain things from there are certain things that were important from the book that were left out, certain things that were not explained in the movie, but were in um, the book. In the book, and yeah. a lot of people were like, "Well, why was Christopher strapped to the bed?" That's never because that's never explained in the movie. And that was because Joan did not like him getting out of bed because he was kind of rambunctious. So, but I think she, that that could be assumed from seeing him strapped in the bed. Well, mm. you'd rather see that explained more thoroughly. Yeah, it's just, yeah. well because a lot of people don't get it still. Um, but, and he and Christina shared a room until she went away to boarding school, and he, if he got out of bed, she would flip the fuck out. Hmm. So, if he had to go to the bathroom, Christina would um, uh, loosen his ties, and he would race to the bathroom. And she would like keep uh, keep watching the doorway to make sure that she wasn't mm. coming. I feel like uh, Christopher corroborated her story. He did, but the twins yeah. didn't. But in saying that, all of this happened like eight years before the twins even really yeah existed. Well, yes, and plus, Christina went away to boarding school uh, at twelve. Yeah. So, and plus, I the, the Craig character i think is supposed to be a composite because of of a, many different male characters who are in the book because joan did have a lot of suitors yes and um they don't show it but christina was taught to be a bartender for them they don't show her being taught to be a bartender they just show her making a drink yeah um but she would make them extra strong because she thought it was funny when they got drunk. Oh, okay. That was her entertainment. So I, I just assume that Joan liked them extra strong. No, she didn't want Joan to get drunk. Her no, but what I'm saying, I thought why... maybe Joan taught her stronger drinks because Joan liked to No, get, she didn't teach know. her. She didn't teach yeah. her to make them stronger. Um, Christina just took that upon herself. And Christina <laughs> didn't even piece together that her alcoholism was why she was the way she was for a number of years. Yeah. Or why, because she had days, and again, this is something that's only touched on in the movie, where uh, she's screaming at them out the window to be quiet when they're playing. And what I didn't like what they did with the movie was they were playing in the Rose Garden when she screamed at them. And it kind of makes it look like that's why she cut all the rose bushes. Oh, no, um, I didn't. I just... No, I didn't think that was the case. I thought she was just angry and she took it out on the rose bushes. It's sort of like uh, when I had a traumatic experience with someone, I cut off my hair. <laughs> oh my God. Fucking drama queen. Um, um, I feel I should say, though, just to touch on 
Jones crazy ass. Um, people didn't really know how old she was because had should say she was younger to get mm -mm. roles. And uh, she claimed to be born in 1908, but I think she was born in 1904. Um, and I'm sure you know she was born Lucille Lesser. Um, but I don't remember when she was it, like dancing. Uh, she was a chorus girl or whatever the fuck she was. When she started doing silent movies. She went by the name Billy, Billy something, I think, Billy Lesseur. Okay. Um, and then she got the name Joan Crawford from a Name the Star contest that some magazine held. And she hated Joan and she hated Crawford because she thought it sounded like crawfish. And <laughs> for a number of years, she made people call her Joanne instead of Joan. Okay. Um, so, what was this Name the Star competition? Uh, it was something that they did in Hollywood in, like, the 20s. They, so, she would offer herself up to be renamed by the public? I think it, no, I don't think she did. It was when, I believe when she signed with MGM. Okay. Um, so, MGM, I guess, put, you know, said, this is our new star. And like Rock Hudson. Well, Rock Hudson was renamed uh, by his manager. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was rare for anybody to go by their real names. Yeah. In those days. Well, even Marilyn Monroe, famously. Yeah. Norma Jean. Um, and she had to get Christina. She got Christina on the black market. Yes. Um, Did and... Christina ever find out her real parents? She did. Oh, okay. And she didn't know um, until many years later, but her father lived in Southern California, and she said she wished she had known that because she would have liked to get to know him. But when she find when she finally found out, they were, both of her parents had were dead, mm. and the reason she was put up for adoption was because she was a love child. Her father had an affair with another woman. Okay. And the woman put the baby, put her up for adoption. But she has some half-brothers and some cousins that she met. And um, she got to know them well. Yeah, she's she still in contact got with Got a family later in life. Yeah. Um, of the Crawford children, she's the only survivor, isn't she, at the moment? Like, as in... <laughs> she hasn't died. Uh... Uh, yeah, I think the twins did die. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about Christopher. I think he's dead as well. I, I read that recently, but I was just confirming with you. Well, you know, the twins weren't even twins. Oh, really? She just adopted them on the same day. Is that? Well, she wanted twins. So she just adopted two babies and decided, uh, well, yeah, they're twins. I'm twins. just going to call them twins. Yeah. Um... Are they named CC as well? Yeah. Uh, oh my god. Kathy and Cynthia. Oh my god. It's um, like the old school Kardashian. I know. But when Christina was adopted, she was originally named Joan Crawford Jr. Oh, really? 
and then when the adoption was legal um, she changed her name to Christina and she had um, like a birth certificate and she was given a Bible and like some like baby things and all of that stuff had Joan Crawford Jr. on it. Yeah. I do think that the adult Christina matches the young Christina. They, I think they did well casting. <laughs> I hope this poor little girl was not traumatized by that in this movie. Yeah, I was trying to see if she was in the same scene as the wire hanger. <laughs> Because those severe eyebrows and fringe, (laughs) and her hanging out with these with these army men, it feels so like slutty. (laughs) Very pinup girl. Well, it was very well known that Joan got around. Mm Hmm. Because she could spread her legs higher and wider than anyone else. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> and um, Christina did, I think she had like two or three birthday parties like this. But she didn't know any of the kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joan just um, invited children of other Hollywood people, not just movie stars, but producers and directors and such so like candy spelling yeah pretty much um there was christina only spoke of having one friend um who lived in the neighborhood and she was a black girl who was the daughter of a maid who worked for a family who lived on the street and she was invited to one of christina's parties or Christina wanted her to be invited, and Joan said no, and didn't give her any ex- explanation. And then Christina said, "Well, it, I forget the girl, little girl's name." She said, "Well, if she's not coming, then I'm not coming down." Um, and Joan ended up going to get her, and she brought her to the party. Yeah. Um, creepy photos. Well, that's the way it was, you know, because yeah. Joan wanted a baby for publicity. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with wanting to be a mother or wanting yeah, a yeah. child. It was wanting to stay relevant and be on magazine covers. Become a UN ambassador. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's mm-hmm. someone else. <laughs> that's somebody else. Um, this is true that she was not allowed to keep her presence. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I it is mean, but it, I think it's also a nice way of showing in de- enveloping charity in a child. <laughs> But then straight away here, she's like back talks to her mother, like, oh, she won't let me keep it. <laughs> she's letting outsiders know what they like. Hmm. Do you know? Oh, I was, I, uh, I didn't finish what I was saying about the, uh, 
the Durank night. Um, yeah, because she would... They knew, Christopher and Christina knew after a while um, that they were to be very quiet um, when they played outside. And so they would play cowboys and Indians and whisper. <laughs> and they found out a way to communicate with each other in the pool under the water. Yeah. Because they were not allowed to make noise because she would hang out the fucking window like a lunatic and scream at them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, see, what I didn't understand, too, this this might have just been something that is somebody uh, uh, wrongly put on Wikipedia, but there was a quote from Christina that said uh, she didn't she didn't like the movie because of the way it embellished certain things, and she said that she Joan never cut down an orange tree and never hit her with hangers, but she says both in the book. Okay. She does cut down the orange tree and she does hit Christina with hangers and um, hairbrushes, which would break because she would beat her so hard. Yeah, yeah. And yardsticks, which again would break. Um, and then if Joan hurt her hand, she would she would blame Christina. Oh my god! It's all your fucking fault. And she Why would do you go make to bed with you like this? She would go to bed with all those contraptions and shit on her face. Yeah, like yeah. Her hair, her hair pulled back, and so she didn't have a double chin, that chin strap, and the long gloves. People think that the long gloves were about germs, but they were to keep the lotion on her hands. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like what they when you put um. Lotion on your feet, they said to like wrap them in a plastic bag to let them stew overnight. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think they didn't explain in the movie was why she. Didn't want to go to the Oscars. And supposedly, the way the Oscars were back in those days, um, let's say uh, one year, a star who was signed to, a, a male actor who was signed to MGM got nominated for best actor and a female the next the year after that or the same year got signed for best actress and she worked for paramount so yeah. the next that they wouldn't do it they wouldn't double it so if somebody from mgm won or got nominated one year they an mgm performer couldn't get nominated the year after that or win or win or just nominated okay no not nominated all right. I'm pretty sure I, it was not nominated. I thought it was be. just the case that um, in those days uh, the Oscars weren't as popular and the stars wouldn't actually go. Um, 
like that it was it was on radio because it wasn't as popular as what it is today. Um, no. Uh, if it, we, we can recreate the scene, if you like, if you're gonna keep that lip with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this really was. This was true. She did do this to her. Oh, I can imagine. Um, I mean, let the kid win once to give her some confidence, at least. Jesus Christ. I just think, why be so competitive? <laughs> That's true. I yeah. I, I well, today it's very different because you know every kid gets a trophy just for participating. Um, but I also I can't don't agree man. with. I also no. I well, I did get a trophy for just for participating in t t ball, um, but. Um, what was I about to say? You always fucking derail me. Yeah, but I also agree that it's not... It's not particularly good to teach your child to be so competitive. Um, mm -hmm. Because Joan was so competitive. Like, I think she should have let her uh, compete without the children. That's that's what it is, is that. Yeah, but I think if yeah, but in a playful way and I don't think that she should mm. put so much stress on the importance of winning. Yeah. I mean it's and let her say if she wants to do it or not. Yes. You know, don't just say, Okay, well we're gonna have an organized race or in like, the hill. Yeah, and if she says I don't want to do another one, it's like all right. <laughs> mm. It's like she's competing with her to make herself feel better. Oh, that's exactly what she's doing. Mm. Because Joan was that insecure. Yeah, and then, uh, like, I, I feel it created that animosity and competition between her and her lovers later, where some of the scenes, it looks like the daughter's flirting with the guys. Well... Uh, Joan saw it that way, but it wasn't necessarily the case. Um, when she, uh, Joan was married to Alfred Steele for almost four years. And you wouldn't really even know it because their whole marriage is, for the most part, glossed over in the movie. They, he's, it's like over the course of like two or three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when, well, they got married when Christina was away at boarding yes. school and she found out about it over the radio or something. And then Joan called her and Christina was like, why didn't you tell me? And Joan was like, well, why didn't you call me? And Christina was like, <laughs> I didn't know where to find you. I didn't know where you were. And Joan was like, well, it was all over the tabloids that we were in Las Vegas, so all you had to do was call the operator and say, this is Christina Crawford, I would like to speak with my mother, and they would have found me in two seconds. This is literally what she said. Mm -mm. Just call the operator and tell them you want to speak to Joan Crawford. 
Um, uh, but yeah, uh, after uh, they had a break, I guess, for summer, and her and Christopher, they went on a, a uh, cruise, uh, a European cruise. They went to several different countries. Okay. And um, Christina uh, kept a diary all about her experiences. And one night they were... They had dinner or something, and Joan and, and Alfred uh, walked Christina to her room, and Christina kissed her mother on the cheek goodnight, and then she kissed Alfred on the cheek goodnight, and Joan slapped the fucking shit out uh-huh. of her, and she said, I got my man, now you better go and damn well get your own, and Alfred was like, what the fuck? Um, he was really nice to her, though. Mm-hmm. She liked him. Mm. Do you reckon, um, part of that jealousy was the fact she knew who, she wasn't her biological daughter? No. I don't think Lack so. Of I think it was just, <laughs> no, I think it was just her nature. Yeah, yeah. You could have done this. I had faith in you. They just made this up. This wasn't even in the book. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) So she never cut her hair? No, I don't think so. No. What, What she did do... Um... Which was, um, I think it was tied to the wire hangers. What happened was, Christina always had to take naps in the afternoon. And sometimes she wasn't tired. So she would just lie there and daydream. And one afternoon, she was daydreaming. And she wasn't paying attention to what she was doing. And she started messing with the crease in the wallpaper and the next thing she knew she had torn it and she tried to fix it and she only made it worse Mm. and she told the housekeeper or the nurse or somebody and there she was like oh I have to tell Joan and Joan saw it and flipped out and she pretty much did what she does in the movie with the closet she threw everything out and then she got Christina had her a favorite dress. It was her favorite yellow dress. It wasn't anything fancy, but she loved it. Yeah, yeah. So, Joan got a pair of scissors and cut it up until it was barely, there's barely anything left, and she made Christina wear it every day for a week. And if anybody asked her, what is wrong with your dress, she was to tell them, I don't like pretty things. But <laughs> she assumed that the help or, and, you know, everybody knew what was going on and felt sorry for her, so nobody ever did ask her. Thankfully, yeah, yeah. she didn't make her uh, wear it to school. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I'm not, but uh, there's so much that happened to Chadwick that's not even in the movie. 
Chadwick. The girls' school or the the boarding oh, school that she goes yep, yep, to. Yep, 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 yep. Um, because ever because Mrs. Chadwick was she Christina saw Mrs. Chadwick and Mr. Chadwick as like really her parents because they were really kind yeah. to her. Yeah. And um, Christina did very well in school, but Joan would call every week and she would prod Mrs. Chadwick for information because she, which she wanted to hear that Christina was misbehaving or doing something wrong. <laughs> and if Mrs. Chadwick would tell her that, no, everything's fine... Joan would make her go through every single day what happened every day and she would inevitably make something out of nothing. Mm. And on one such occasion, um, it, it was cold and Christina or somebody, Mrs. Chadwick, I believe, said you should wear a sweater. And Christina was like, oh, it's not that bad out so she just wore her coat and then when she got outside she realized how cold it was so she wore her coat to class all day and that threw Joan into a rage she's like oh so you want to wear your coat to school do you well you're going to wear your coat to school every fucking day and nothing else and Christina was like, I can't do that. I, it's only got one button, and I'm not going to go to school in my underwear. And mm. Joan said, well, you better. You should have thought about that. That's what she always said. You should have thought about that. Yeah, yeah. And the next day, she had somebody come to the school and take all of her clothes, except for one dress. So she had one dress and the dress that she had worn that day. And she had to wear both of those dresses every day for four months. Yeah. It's very much Joan wanted to be proven right on why she should be in boarding school. Pretty much. And that's another thing, too. Um, both Christopher ended up going to Chadwick's as well. Um... So he wasn't there. So the tw and plus the twins were so young, and you know, they never, they never saw the abuse. But Christina mm. saw Joan abuse them. Yeah. So she must have abused them when they were very little, and they didn't remember. And maybe when they got when they got older, Joan softened a little bit. I don't know. Well, I don't know if she's... I reckon... Because um, every time Christina does something that's reflective of Joan, Joan gets angry as opposed to recognises that in herself. Um, so I'd imagine more the twins might have reacted better to Joan, like a, um, the way that Joan wanted them to, and so didn't abuse them as much. Well, Christina realised later on that... Joan really wanted she she didn't want a baby that could think 
and talk and be an individual and have opinions. She wanted a baby that would be forever dependent on her and carry her morals and ideals and yeah, share yeah, her yeah. opinions. And um, I guess that's how, um, whatever the fuck, um, Cynthia and... Um, she, she was like whatever. a glamorous Jeffrey Dahmer. And she said, she rem- I think what really gave helped her realize this helped Christina realize this was Joan ended up buying four teacup poodles and she said one of them is so sweet when I pick her up she puts her arms around me just like a real baby yeah yeah um so well it's sort of I forget if it was exactly this, but I reckon it was, you know, the um, Small Sacrifices movie with um, Farrah Fawcett? Yeah. Where the mother was saying how she wanted kids because she wants something to love her or something like that. Like, it, was, it wasn't her loving the kids, it's the kids loving her. Well, at least Joan didn't set them on fire. She set them on fire. Oh, no, that was the burning bed. Never mind. Yeah. Wrong movie. Small sacrifices. She put. She drowned them, didn't she? Yeah, maybe. What it was something to do with like a, she said that someone. Um, no, I thought she shot them. Because one of the girls survived, but she, the mother said that some guy had stolen the car and driven off with the kids. I'm thinking of when Farrah Fawcett set her abusive husband on fire while he was in bed. What was that from? You're not thinking of the burning bed. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I think she was she was in small sacrifices too, wasn't she? Farrah Fawcett was, yeah. That was on. um, I think that's on um, YouTube, but it's it's a TV movie that was two episodes, so. It's going to be a bit long. It'll be a mini-series. Yes. Sorry. They were both TV movies. I remember her dancing in the um, courtroom to Hungry Like the Wolf. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to Joan. That's I'm not acting! Crazy ass. Yeah, you could say that again. <laughs> um, I do feel like a lot of the times, I don't know if this, what this is, but that... Joan would be acting and like emoting emotions that she wanted people to believe like like I imagine once he left the room I could imagine her like um, um, getting herself back into order and not even be crying anymore yeah pretty much um. at least so she doesn't have the uh, frown lines Oh, God forbid. She did do this every time she broke up with somebody where she would cut their heads out of all the pictures. How high school. <laughs> I know. Put them in the burn book. You know what um, Christina called those episodes like the Rose Garden when she would go into a frenzy. Do you know what they were called? No. She called them the night raids. The night raids? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was usually drunk. 
see here, I don't see why she kept <laughs> um, the head bit. And I think it was just for the audience to see that it fits. Like it's, it's a very uh, for the audience film, this one. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you can't piece it together here, we'll show you exactly. <laughs> it was his face. This Doesn't very... Faye refer to this as that damn Crawford movie? <laughs> she doesn't like talking about it. I think she just calls it Crawford. Did I tell? You? I think I did tell you this. I don't know if I told you on the podcast or not, but in I told you about the book about the View. Um, yes, about Tina. <laughs> yeah, Tina, the her assistant. And she was screaming down the hall for Tina. So it was just like uh, life imitating art. Yes. Well, now she would be remembered for misreading the um, <laughs> best picture winner. <laughs> well, at least she didn't scramble up the letters of the name like John Travolta did. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I'm a liar. And she actually did say, Tina, bring me the axe. That was taken yep. right out of the book. The, this, the whole Rose Bushes sequence is probably the closest scene in the movie yep. to the book. And... The next day, she and Christopher were seated at the table having breakfast, and she said the gardener came, and he was a very nice man, very happy and pleasant, and always spoke to them, and when he walked past the window, he was saying, good morning, and then when he went to the garden, he flipped the fuck out and started cursing, and then walked back past the window and said, tell that crazy bitch I quit. <laughs> and they never saw him again. Yeah. Well, good on him. <laughs> um, I, I know, I know you, you, you weren't a fan of the, uh, the uh, domestic violence scenes. I found the saddest part of this whole movie was uh, Christina's constant return to the home. Um, and then, like, uh, yeah, and that uh, epitome being when she gets sick and Joan has to look after her and it's like, oh, that poor thing. Like, she nearly made a life for herself, but she got clawed back because of well, the really, Yeah, I mean, she really didn't go back until... Um, well, she never went back after she went to boarding school, really. So she essentially... Um, uh, lived away from home from when she was 12. Because yeah. uh, a lot of the time, too, uh, Joan wouldn't let her come home for the summer. Yeah. So she would have to stay there by herself. Which I'm while sure all she the preferred. other kids went home. <laughs> and then get sent to a nunnery. Well, they really did not say exactly what happened with that 
Um, because what happened was there was this boy who was 16. I think his name was Tony. <laughs> and all the, all the girls would always talk about Tony. And he was so dreamy. And they all had their little trysts with Tony. And she struck up a conversation with him and became a flirtation. And he asked her to go riding <laughs> with him. And she was like, oh, we can't. Bareback? Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, we can't. And he was like, well, we can meet after dark. So she was supposed to meet him. She met him in the stables. And she didn't know what was happening. They just started kissing. And next thing you knew, she felt a very sharp pain. And she was like, ooh, what was that? And he was like, have you done done this before? She was like, no. And he, this is the best part. He said, how old are you? And she said, 12. And he said, oh, I thought you were closer to 14. Oh. Um, so, yeah, and he was 16. Yeah. So, what ha happened was, um, she told some of her friends, and then, you know, word traveled, and it got back to Mrs. Chadwick, and Mrs. Chadwick had to call Joan for that, and, um, um, they went, they had a doctor examiner, and he said, you're still a virgin. Um, but the boy did get expelled. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that wasn't when she left. Um, I'm trying to remember when she left. But um, she did leave. Uh, I think she spent like, couple years maybe three two or three years at the at the catholic um boarding school um but um yeah but when she when she went to the catholic boarding school she was stripped of pretty much all privileges she wasn't allowed mm. to do anything Mm -hmm. And the only money that she got was $5 a month to buy shampoo, toothpaste, and school supplies. What about tampons? Mm. Um, I'm just looking at the scene, and I don't know which way to take it, but um, Joan is just aggressive with the women. When it comes to men, she's quite the pushover. This is another fabrication of the movie because Joan really didn't like men. Um, I guess her issue with men was uh, men were harder to control. And okay. Christina said 
she believes that's why she was more abusive to Christopher. As bad as she was to her, oh, she, okay. Christopher, Christopher got it worse. Yeah. And like, Chris, Christopher, Christina was never tied down. I think she was. She okay. was, but it was because she kept falling out of bed. Oh, my God. Um, and then when Christopher was born... And she kept, she let, she made him wear that thing, like, uh, I don't know, I think till he went to Chadwick, and he yeah. was about 11 or 12, and she kept, like, adjusting it as he grew. Yeah. Um, but, like, uh, Betty Davis, um, Joan did have, there was some suggestion of lesbianism okay and there was a story in the book where there was because they were always changing christina called them nurses but they were more like nannies they were always changing nannies and she had one that um christina really liked um but some of them were mean and this one was really nice and what happened was in the middle of the night, um, the nanny was asleep and Joan was drunk out of her mind and she went banging on the door, her bedroom door, to be let in. And it was clear what she wanted. Mm -hmm. So the nanny didn't say a word, she just didn't move and then opened the door. And then the next day she quit. Yep, yep. You know, Betty Davis's daughter wrote a book much like Mommy Dearest. Yeah, but um, it didn't get as much attention. It didn't, no. It wasn't as sensationalized. Um... I think it was because, uh, and it wasn't made into a movie. And I think it was because Betty Davis's daughter was more strong-willed, and she, and plus there wasn't really any physical violence. Betty Davis was just a manipulator, and she was passive-aggressive. Yeah. Well, um, I think also because Joan wanted such a public persona, whereas the Betty Davis public persona was more. Um, uh, relaxed as in <laughs> i think uh people wanted to see jones downfall more than betty davis's i guess like oh you're not as clean well betty davis to believe <laughs> betty davis was considered to be the better actress yeah and she was more respected um and yeah, that's. I think that's one of many reasons they didn't like each other. I don't remember exactly what Betty Davis's issue was. Um, and the with really, Joan or with, with Joan, her daughter? Oh, okay. With, oh, she had many issues with her daughter. Evident, like if you did believe the miniseries, it was more. Um, she didn't have a big issue with Joan, but the. Um, um, Behind the scenes, behind the scene, men were trying to get them to dislike each other. Type of th like, there was created animosity. Well, 
Christina doesn't really talk about the making of whatever happened to Baby Jane um, in her book, but uh, Betty Davis's daughter touches on it, and I think that had a lot to do with the fact that she was in it. But um, there's a story where um, um, Betty Davis's daughter was introduced to Joan, and her name is—I hate to say her name because her name is so stupid. Her name was BD, um, yeah. because she was named Barbara after Betty Davis's daughter. I mean, sister. And she didn't. She refused to call her Barbara, and she hated the nicknames for Barbara, like Babs and shit. So she just called her BD. Um, so BD met Joan, and she went to shake her hand, and Joan recoiled and put her hand behind her back, like she didn't want to be touched. And then she said, um. The twins were, like, in the wings and they were knitting. Um, they were, like, uh, under 10 at the time. And she said she said something like, um, By your behavior, I can see that you were not properly taught or brought up well. So I would appreciate it if you wouldn't... Um, talk to my twins because I don't want you corrupting them. Oh, God. I'm just noticing Joan's belt hair looks quite phallic. Mm. Like, it looks like balls in a cock. Alright, settle. I like to notice these things. I, 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 I like I to believe that do. costume designers make an effort to do things. Well, she... Well, Faye Dunaway had such problems with the fucking costume designer on this that she made her cry and quit. She made everybody cry pretty Didn't much. did the director hate her as well? Um, no, I don't think so. <gasps> oh, but do you know who was considered for Joan? No, who? Madonna. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver. Okay. I, I, I don't think she would have made it work because I find the problems script and theme based <laughs> well the main the main choice was Anne Bancroft oh okay um but Sigourney Weaver was just considered um but they really wanted Anne Bancroft but she didn't want to do it because um what the fuck was it? I think I think she didn't like the script or the way that Joan was portrayed or something like that. Okay. I think she was in Joan's court. Yep, yep. And she wanted she didn't want to make her look bad. Was Betty Davis still alive when the film was made? Yes. She could have played her. And do you know when Johnny Car, which Betty Davis was on Johnny Carson. He asked her, "Who, Who is the worst, worst poster? Yeah, person in Hollywood, or the worst person you would never want to work with again?" He wanted her to say Joan Crawford. You know that. Yes. 
but she said Faye Dunaway. She said Faye Dunaway. Which I could believe. <laughs> and interestingly, Joan Crawford had a lot of respect for Faye Dunaway. Oh, really? Yeah. Like when Faye was just starting out, she said publicly that she believed that Faye Dunaway had a lot of potential and that she was to be a, a really great movie star and that she would she was going places. Well, I think she, yeah, I, I think this movie ended her career. <laughs> oh, it did. Because mm-hmm. um, I I would put her in sort of that same category as Lauren Bacall. What ruined her career? No, no, like Lauren kept going is what I'm saying. And um, like I, I, I'd put them in that similar generation of actress. Um, I really wanted to read the book that, um, I, can't, I can't remember her name. But the actress who played Caroline, she published a book. In the city. Shut up. The actress who played Caroline published the book called The Mommy Dearest Diary. And she, she kept a diary while she was making the movie over the course of four months. And she kept it as a way of trying to maintain her sanity pretty much because it was a very very toxic environment and Faye was horrible to everybody and she was always screaming at somebody Yeah, and she found it very very difficult to cope um, so she wrote this diary and then she found it some years later and <clears throat> She really didn't intend on publishing it, but people were always asking her yeah. for stories about the making of the movie. So, in addition to that, um, she did some interviews with other people who worked on the movie, like behind the scenes and stuff. Um, so they told their stories. And... Um, around 2000... 16 Faye, I don't know whatever happened if it came out or not, but Faye Dunaway was going to write a book about her book, her own book about making the movie and she called Carol Ann and she said um could you come over, could you come to Los Angeles <laughs> and help me with this book, help me and the ghostwriter and uh, she wasn't going to pay her anything. Um, and Caroline was just like, um, no. Why don't you just read my book and see if that uh, triggers memory, any yeah. memories. And she, when she told the story in this interview that I watched earlier today, by that time she was like on her seventh, Faye was on like her seventh ghostwriter. Oh my god! They kept quitting. <laughs> she couldn't even 
get a ghost writer to mm. stay in her company. Uh, I forgot to say about the steak or the meat. Um, that went on for like a week. She kept making her put the dish in the refrigerator and then taking it out every meal. And mm. she was not going to let her let that meat go uneaten. Oh, no. With all the vitamins intact. Oh. <laughs> I just I like her like face frozen, like looking at that. Hanger! <laughs> I don't like this. I mean, I don't mind the scenes with Diana Scarwood because she's just as over the top and it is very comical. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this little girl, she's just a little too real and it's upsetting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, which Diana? Sorry? Diana Scar would be older Christina. Oh, okay. <laughs> when she's not a fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this this was in the book too which she broke the cleanser of her head because um, what happened was she was supposed to clean her bathroom and Joan said did you do it and Christina said yeah hmm. and she went in there and she saw like a smudge or a streak on the yeah, floor yeah. and she freaked out and started beating her with various things and then when she ran out of shit she got the cleanser and broke it over her head and it exploded everywhere and she had to clean it up herself Joan did not clean it yeah yeah, yeah. and Christopher felt so bad he was like I'll help you and she was like no 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 yeah tie yourself you back up make it worse yeah don't tie yourself back up Idiot. <laughs> Diana Scarwood actually this didn't ruin her career because she went on to win an Oscar. Oh, I thought she won it before the movie. I could be wrong. No, though. she won it in the nineties. Oh, okay, good for her then. What did she win it for? Um, something I didn't say. Yeah, I think that she was in one of the Star Trek shows, but I can't tell you. If that's for sure or not. Well, she also went on to be in Extremities. Ah. And she was in Psycho 3. Yeah. After this Psycho 1. Uh-huh. Did she get the Razzie for it? Uh, for this movie? Yeah. A few people did. Yeah. I felt bad for this young girl getting it because, you know, you can't really judge. She won an, a Razzie for it. Did she? Oh, that's all. Oh, I thought she did, but I could be wrong. It could just be the older Christina. No, I know Diana Scarwood did. So it might have just been um, she was nominated with her. 
If they did give it to that little girl, that's that's just cruel. Because she was like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. She's not a seasoned actress to deliver more than what she could. This whole sequence is pretty much taken verbatim yeah. from the book. She looks like Heath Ledger from The Joker here. <laughs> like it's got oh my God. <laughs> Do you know how I got these scars? From wire hangers. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That would have been a good backstory to the Joker. Um, I wish I could remember her name. Uh, Carol Ann. In the, act, in, the, in, the interview, in the interview that I was watching earlier, she was supposed to be older than Joan at the time. And she was supposed to age throughout the movie um so the director kept coming in while she was getting makeup on for a scene in which she was supposed to look older yeah and he kept saying no you're too pretty and he would leave (laughs) and then the then he would come back no you're too pretty and then he would leave and come back and the fourth time he told the makeup artist if you don't make her look older or ugly her up a little bit, Faye is going to have her fired. Yeah. So they put like a fake nose on her and like some like a chin or some shit. A tit to, yeah. to make her, yeah. like, her nose look like longer. You know, Faye did not want anybody to be prettier or more attractive than her. Even though she does look like a fucking clown <laughs> in this movie with those eyebrows that yes. had to have been stenciled. Yes. Oh, shit. Looks <laughs> like she's covered in icing sugar. Which I hope she was. <laughs> You'll figure it out. <laughs> She got the crazy lips thing going. That's what Faye said that how she studied her character was she looked, she studied pictures of John Crawford and she tried to emulate the formation of her mouth. Yeah. Um, anybody else would have like, you know, studied her movies. Um, but she studied pictures and tried to make her mouth... What the fuck is that? There's someone at the front door. <sighs> you have the gayest doorbell I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Can you give me a minute? Because I don't want it to go off again. <laughs> oh, God. I just got abandoned by Daddy Dearest. Okay, so I have to carry this fucking thing. Oh, good. We can hear exactly what's going on, too. Ah, no. Not anymore. Jesus. What the fuck? (laughs) 
Well, the postman got to see me topless. <laughs> oh, did you like that? Uh, well, at least it didn't ring twice. Did you, did you get a package? Oh, yeah, a big, fat, juicy package. <laughs> Fucking the dogs, the birds, the postman. <laughs> what the fuck? The camp doorbell, just to go with the movie. <laughs> now, um, going back to the feud, um, did you ever you you watched the miniseries? No, because oh. I couldn't find it audio described. Evidently, like in the first thing, um, the giant character was saying how she had. Molars, the you know, back teeth removed to allow the chick to um, become more concave and cast a shadow. You could do that with makeup. That's ridiculous. Oh, I don't know. Um, this or that kid? I go. Is he still on screen? The boy. Yeah. 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 Do you know what he was from? Um, no, tell me. He was in uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, he, okay. He sat behind Jennifer Jason Lee in Mr. Han's class, and he was the one who got um, Sean Penn to come to class. And he's like, hey, there's no birthday party for me in here. <laughs> um, yeah, and he was also in... Nine to five, which you've never seen because you're a yes, homosexual. You tell me you never saw it. Oh no, that was James. That would have been James, yeah. Um, yeah, he was Lily Tomlin's son. Ah, oh, the one that gets high with her. Who gave her the joint? Yeah. Yeah. Just to prove that I've seen it. <laughs> mm. God, her in that leg. <laughs> Another iconic scene, though. <laughs> That's how I put my sandals on. <laughs> what? Do, whatever happened to her two divorces? Like, um... Her old marriage. Jones? Yeah. Um, well, one of them was when Christina was about five. Um, no, but I thought it got mentioned before the adoption. I know. But no, she was married. Oh, okay. When yeah. Christina was five. So this is why I, I said that I think that Craig was supposed to be a a composite of yeah. different men in Joan's life, but yeah, she was ma- he she was married. Uh, Phil, I believe his name was Philip something, and he used to spank her um, Joan, in the negative way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joan would tell him to do it. That um, was yeah, yeah, that was the thing because I remember there's a Sean Connery quote where he talks about spanking his wife if she does something. No, wrong. he talks about punching his wife in the face. Oh, okay. 
if she gets a if she gets lippy, you know, just knock yeah, her yeah. one. There's nothing wrong with that. Apparently, knock a sandwich for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you handle your woman when you're Scottish. I pulled you a freshener. <laughs> Like, I feel like she knows how cheeky she's being, and I'm like, why are you being this cheeky? <laughs> that over-the-shoulder Princess Diana look. Hmm. <laughs> Did you know, while most people don't, I didn't even for the longest time, but did you know that Christina wrote a sequel? No. Yeah, it's called Survivor, and it's about her life after. Ah, oh, I years. feel. Yeah, and was there a movie or so, uh, something filmic made in regards to that she's in? Not that I know of. Mm, okay. Now, is this woman an all star? Um, who? Who are we talking about? The one who, Mrs. Chadwick. Oh, Priscilla Pointer. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I was considering mentioning that because she was in Carrie and she was in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, but I did a solo commentary for that. Okay. Technically she is... And technically, I thought about this at pretty much right after. <laughs> technically, and I pretty much thought about this right after we finished the Dr. Giggles commentary. Ah, okay. But technically, Michelle Johnson is an all-star because she was in Death Becomes Her, she was in Dr. Giggles, and she was also in A Tales from the Crypt that I did. Oh, yeah, but that's not a movie. She still made an appearance okay, okay, on the okay. podcast. So, if we're being Understand. technical. <laughs> I think uh, aging her was a good um, um, adjustment to the story. Like, it, it helped propel the story. It was getting a bit stale by this point. <laughs> Well, uh, it drags a bit, and a lot of it, I think, uh, it's to, Faye Dunaway is to blame because of all these long, dramatic pauses. She's very, very melodramatic. Um, though I was thinking, uh, in regards to camp movies, I find that, um, um, like going by this one in Showgirls, that their length contributes to their campness. That if it was a short movie, I don't think it would have been as, um, become the classic. <laughs> now, has Tony been in other things? What or the fuck did I just say thing? five minutes ago? <laughs> what did you say? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, oh. What was he Fast in? Times at Ridgemont High, nine oh. to five. I thought, I thought you were talking about Christopher. <laughs> Because <laughs> no. it was the scene with Christopher and Christina singing, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, he looks familiar. 
Okay. <laughs> this was the first movie Xander Berkeley was in. Okay. By the way. Um, and by the way, he's on his way to being an all-star because I did Candyman with James. Yeah. Ah, yes. Yes. And we'll just have to do Terminator 2 and then we can put him in. Or not. <laughs> you haven't seen that movie, have you? I've seen Terminator 2. Yeah, but when I quoted Sarah Connor, you didn't know who it was I from. I haven't seen it in probably <laughs> oh, okay. 30 years. He had the I best. Had the like, action he had the figures and everything. Death. I liked his death. Is Xander with a Z or X? An X. Yeah. Like the warrior princess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, he, Christine, already like straight away back talks. It's like, oh, um, I'd be a lot more um, timid about it. Mm. Not that I'm victim blaming. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> well, it sounds to me like you're victim learned. blaming. <laughs> um, Negative reinforcements to get you to adjust. I. I was watching a um, a video earlier on YouTube that was pretty recent. I think it was posted last year, and it was it was a gay fan of the movie, and he was talking about its its relevance in in gay culture and its camp um, appeal for gay audiences and such. And um, he brought up um, how uh, it was split between um, people who believed the story and people who didn't. Okay. And there was one... He pay, he played a clip of one interview. I don't know who it was. But he, he was a friend of Jones and he was um, in her court. And he said, well, I never saw Christina get beaten. And it got back to him and he said, well, I never saw Harvey Weinstein rape anybody. So, mm. um, so he was like trying to say that, you know, in this day and age, that would not fly with yeah, people yeah. questioning her. Yeah. Or saying that she made all this shit up. I don't. Well, let me say this. I do believe a lot of what is in the book because it's so specific. Yeah. Um, but there's one thing that I have a major problem with. And that is when Christina goes to the boarding school, when she goes to Chadwick's, almost all of her communication with Joan is through letters and cards. And somehow, Christina had every letter and every card and knew exactly when they were sent and what exactly was going on in her life at that time. Yeah. 
to me, that is a little far-fetched. I, um, I think it, it's a little... Um, uh, uh, what I want to say is I could believe it being far-fetched, but I could also believe her writing rough copies of the letter before actually writing it properly so that there was no mistakes. No. Letters from Joan, not Christina's letters. Oh, okay. oh yeah, but that, see, I could believe her keeping Joan's letters then, yeah. I, I thought you meant know. her having her own letters. That, uh, that I would find ha- a bit harder to believe. And that's there, was was one, there was one mem- memoir. It, I don't remember who it was. But it did. It was like that. Where um, it was the it was cor- it was correspondence, and it was letters from both recipients mm. or senders or whatever. But I don't know. It just seems a little too convenient to have every single letter and every single card, and to know where she was in her life and how old she was at that time. Because some of them weren't even. Dated, um, but wasn't she journaling from that no. cruise ship time? Or she no, just, that, was, that was it. Okay. Just the yeah. just the cruise. She didn't keep a journal, or at least she didn't say. Yeah, yeah. Um, like all of her life. I mean, it would be one thing if you know she kept everything and wrote everything down, like the way Pamela Anderson did in that fucking documentary when she her parents kept everything. And you okay. saw her going through all of the essays that she'd written about pertinent times in her life. And that was what she used when she wrote her book. Um, Star? No. Oh, okay. Her, her memoir. Yep, yep, yep. No, Star had a ghostwriter. Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that Pamela's smarter She didn't even try to hide it. (laughs) Either. I remember I was really pissed off at that time because she would do interviews and talking about the book and she was like, are you crazy? You think I'm actually going to write a book? (laughs) I had a ghostwriter. But at that time in my life, I was struggling so hard to get recognized and to get published and sending dozens and dozens of letters to publishers mm. every fucking month. And here was somebody who, just because she was famous, had a book contract handed to her on a silver platter. Yeah. That is the um, uh, nuisance of celebrity, is that mediocrity gets acknowledged before actual good work. Well, yes, that it's anybody, if you're famous, pretty much for the most part, uh, you can get anybody, almost anybody can get a book deal and it's almost guaranteed that it'll be a bestseller. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't believe, say, like Britney has much of a hand in her perfume line or, you know, uh, that type of thing where... I'll often see just, but I'll put their name to something without much investment in it, just because they're getting paid for it. Um, yeah, no, probably not. 
Except for Carly. I do believe she likes her wines. <laughs> I don't understand, too, how, like, out of nowhere, certain celebrities become fashion designers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you gotta go to school, you gotta know how to do that. I mean, it's yeah, not just yeah. something that you could just throw together. But it's like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Mandy Moore has a clothing line. It's like, what? Jessica when did you learn Simpson. how to do that, yeah. Mandy? Um, I, I also remember there was a guy um, back in my pub days. He was like a, um, a short guy with a beard, but he used to wear <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor's perfume. And um, di White diamonds? Yeah, and he would chat with him. And I would chat pleasantly black, pleasantly back to him. But one time I, just, I sort of like couldn't be bothered talking to him. So um, I was just sort of like daydreaming and um, on the TV they were playing, they were playing music and they had the song um, Look At Me by Jerry Halliwell. Uh -huh. And just sort of to myself, I sort of started singing it to sort of make him realise that I wasn't really paying attention to him. <laughs> And then he started singing it with me. And then some guys at the end of the bar started singing it. And then the bartender started singing it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, was, it felt a bit, like, embarrassing. <laughs> but everyone enjoyed it. But then, like, yeah, the song finished and we ended the night. But then, like, it's like when it's over, it's like, where do we go from here? Yeah, exactly. What now? <laughs> It's like that scene in The Sweetest Thing when the whole restaurant bre breaks out into the penis song. Yeah. Oh my God, it's fame. We're in fame right now. <laughs> well, we could have used that movie that you were discussing the other day. I don't know which one that one was, but somebody was trying to help me out. I think that was Mitchell. My best friend's wedding. Oh, God. <laughs> this busybody coming along. <gasps> Tony, how could you? That rhymes with swell. You're not my real mother. I think, from what I recall, I believe that Alfred Steele, just you know, randomly, I'm thinking about because I'm thinking about something that I saw in an interview earlier. Um, I think, from what I remember in the book, he died of a heart attack. Yeah. And then, 2001, Christina Crawford did an interview on Larry King, and he he brought him up and Christina said she thought his death was suspicious yeah and he said well you think there was foul play and she was like yes and he said how did he die and she said he fell down the stairs ah so I don't know now. Um, he said I, he was in 
perfect health too. There was nothing wrong with him. Okay. I wasn't sure how perfect his health was, but... Um... <laughs> well, not if he's drinking that syrupy piss water. Yes. The boys and the booze. Um... No, but I do wonder how um, she managed to nail him down. Because she seemed to have a personality that people were drawn into and then repelled by. Um, I guess maybe he was too busy to bother with her. Well, Pepsi was dwindling. Yeah. It was hanging by a thread. So it wouldn't surprise me if he was op- he was opportunistic as well. He adopted know. her, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and because of her association with Pepsi, Betty Davis only drank Coke. Yes. And she had a big Coke machine. Yes. Now I knew that one. Well, Coke is better anyway. I used to drink it a little, t- a little too much. I was okay. a little... Too much of a cokehead. Or a dark cokehead, yeah. No, I never drank Diet Coke. <laughs> um, no, that that was a line from Heather's, wasn't it? I know what it was. <laughs> Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Um, but, um, now you made me lose my train of thought. Oh, I always used to get offended. I always get offended if I would go someplace... And to eat, and I would order a Coke, and they would say, is Pepsi okay? And I'd be like, no! <laughs> um, a lot of times those post-mix is Pepsi, but they just say Coke, you know, cola. What? No, I could taste the difference. Get the fuck out of here. Um, if they say, <laughs> if they would say, is Pepsi okay, I would just get, like, a s- s- iced tea um, yeah. or something, because... I knew I would, or I would get a Sprite, but I knew that they wouldn't have Sprite because Sprite is a Coke product. And if they only, if they have Pepsi instead of Coke, that means Pepsi is paying them to serve Pepsi. Yeah. Or sell well, that Pepsi. That have Seven Up instead of Sprite, because that's the Pepsi product. Well, Pepsi has also has. I don't like. 7-Up because it tastes like Fruity Pebbles. Um, they kept they, they kept changing it and now it tastes like Fruity Pebbles. Okay. Um, so um, if I was given the choice I would get a Sierra Mist because that was basically 7-Up. Okay. Do you have Sunkist? Yeah, that's, I like okay. that. I like orange soda. That's, like that's the- good. Uh, competitor to Fanta. Yeah, I like Fanta too. Um, yeah, orange soda. Why, why did Christina never fight back, like physically? Does she ever say? Because she was weak! <laughs> weak, weak, weak! Weak, weak, weak! She should have called to her dead mother to come help her. I wanna know. Mm. Her mother was too busy opening her legs all over the place, <laughs> like Dakota. So this starts leaning so into dynasty territory. 
Is that Dakota now crying out for some no, dude? That's, that's the boy. <laughs> the boy's the crier. He's always crying for attention while Dakota's mm. crying out to be he's, he's got severe FOMO. That's all that is. Whenever Dakota meets... <laughs> Why not? Whenever Dakota meets somebody, she introduces herself as Abby. Abby Road. When it snows, she needs to get plowed. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, settle down. We're watching a very important scene. <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, that's the crux of things is with, you know, that person saying they never saw abuse. A stranger on the street would not see abuse. <laughs> and that's why they would treat her better than someone who actually knows her intimately. Well, what happened was, uh, um, I think it was probably worse. Because Christina really did think that she, she was going to die. Yeah. And um, when Joan finally stopped, she said, go to the middle room and stay there. And the middle room upstairs was a room where uh, servants would stay a lot of the time. Yeah. But it was empty because the servants were always passing and going because Joan was out of her fucking mind. Yeah, And yeah. they couldn't take it anymore. Um, so she went into the middle room and somebody locked the door. Um, and she was in there for a couple hours. And um, I think Carol Ann knocked on the door and said, you got to come downstairs. It was like four or five in the morning. And she went into the room where Joan was choking her and there was a police, a policeman there. Um, he was um, a juvenile detective and yeah. Joan called the police and said that he, she wanted to have her put in juvenile hall as an incorrigible. Um... But the first thing that he said when he saw her was, wow, she really beat you up good, didn't she? <laughs> and Christina didn't even realize until after the fact that she had a, her eye was almost swollen shut and her lip was split and she had a yeah. huge hand mark on her face. Um, so, but the, the police officer was really nice and sympathetic and he, could tell right away what was really going on. And he said, the best advice I can give you is to try to get along with her because if she calls again, I have no choice. My hands are tied. I have to take you to juvenile hall. Yeah. And you will never survive. So just... You know, mind your P's and Q's and try to just until you're 18 and then you go on your own, but... Yeah, yeah. 
which is sad that the rights of the child weren't really taken into consideration at that time. At that time, yeah, mm. but but this was like she was thirteen. Okay. So, um, she still had a long ways to go. Yeah. But most of the time she was away at boarding school, so that pretty much saved her. Yeah. See, this is that's why I I don't like the movie be, that much. Well, I'm really not that big of a fan. It's uh, it's fine. Um, but I don't like the way they they gloss over so much stuff because there's a lot of stuff that happens when she's at the boarding school. Um, and well, she, oh, I forgot about the talk. I forgot to talk about the fucking um, the thank you notes. Uh, Joan was fucking fanatical about thank you notes. And when Christina was home during Christmas vacation, that was all she did. All day long was write thank you notes. And she would show them to Joan and Joan would inevitably find something wrong with them. And she and the handwritten yeah, you're yeah. only supposed you're only supposed to handwrite thank you notes anyway. That's yeah. etiquette. But she would make she would find something wrong with them and make her write them over. And she would have to write a thank you note for everybody to everybody who sent her a Christmas gift or everybody who sent her a birthday gift. And they would always have to be shown to Joan for approval. And if she would get, she would get like very small gifts at, while she was at school, but uh, not from very many people because uh, Joan would always keep everything or, and give it away. Uh and, and a lot of the presents that she got were given, they were given to charity, yeah, but they were also saved for uh, when Christina would go to birthday parties for rich kids. Or re-gifts. And she, and she yep. would re-gift, yeah. And I was w- wondering, like, what if she gave the same present yeah. back? <laughs> um, but... Um, when she graduated, um, she, her birthday was around the same time as her graduation. So um, she got two bo- boxes from her mother, and they were both wrapped similarly. And in each, was one gold earring. Okay. One for graduation, <laughs> one for her birthday. And Joan didn't even go to her graduation, the, her secretary did. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting, you know, for keeping up appearances, she didn't really care to do that. Well, it's so weird that she has to say like "hello, daddy" like to to a stranger. Yeah, that's 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 true. That's what happened in the book. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. As far as keeping up appearances, by this point, Joan's alcoholism was insanely out of control, and Christina could not do anything right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so there was always some perceived indiscretion that she had to be punished for, and her punishments generally were she can't go home, which I think suited Christina just fine because she didn't want to go home anyway. Yeah. And during the summer, uh, when she was at the Catholic boarding school, she worked in the office to help the nuns. Um, she did like secretarial stuff. Um, and when she was at the Chadwicks, because of her quote unquote bad behavior, uh, Joan decided she wasn't going to pay tuition anymore. Um, and already they were on, she, she and Christopher were on partial scholarship. So she had to work and then she stopped you know, paying anything, but the Chadwicks liked her and took pity on her and Christopher, so they let them stay until um, Joan pulled her out. And what ended up happening was when Joan met Alfred Steele, he ended up paying all the back tuition. Okay. Now, I just was wondering, in regards to the bearing wall line... Was that a case of Joan being dumb or sassy? The what? You know when uh, she's like, tear down that bitch of a bearing wall and put a window where a window should be? I don't even think that line's in the book. What does that okay. mean? I don't get it. Well, you can't tear down a bearing wall because like, it's necessary for the Oh, the, a load-bearing wall. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, but yeah, they did. They had to, or they insisted on tearing down like two, the top two floors down to the, uh, foundation and rebuilt it. Um, it was like a two floor penthouse Mm. and she was expecting him to pay for everything because she wasn't working. Yeah, and who's got the money? It's like, <laughs> but he he didn't have that much money. No, exactly. She just it's, yeah. <laughs> it's Pepsi was only starting to get you know traction in sales, and it started out as a five hundred thousand dollar project, and then by the end it was almost a million dollars. In those and he days didn't have of, money. That kind of yeah. money, but they do say that Joan was sort of their first celebrity spokesman. And that, that started their um, use of celebrities to endorse the product. Because mm. I watched Written. a recent documentary. I don't, uh, not recent, but like a documentary about Pepsi doing a promotion where you could buy a, a jet, like a, a, um, an army jet type of thing. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. Mm-hmm. Well, it, and we and it's it's often now that's often studied in contract law because um, it was saying that you need to stipulate if something is not actually you know you can't just exaggerate and expect people to understand you're exaggerating. You need to actually stipulate that no, you can't actually buy a Learjet. <laughs> no, you can't do that. Mm-mm. Okay. 
I, I did forgive Madge when she did her Pepsi deal. Well, fell oh, with anyway. um, was that with um, like a prayer? Like a prayer. Yeah. She got to keep the money anyway. Mm. And I reckon that Michael Jackson's death is kind of stemming from his commercial. Because was it the Pepsi commercial where his hair got caught on fire? Um, I think so. And it's sort of like that Rosen Island thing where he stayed on medication. <laughs> Sorry. Like long past it was necessary. Oh, so you're blaming Pepsi for Michael mm-hmm. Jackson's death. I think you should be thanking them. Exclusively. Oh, terrible. <laughs> this lousy company. Well, Coke never killed anybody. <laughs> I, I remember Britney Spears had good Pepsi commercials, though. Um, and she used to do original songs. Oh, really? Yeah. And I remember um, somebody... Uh, ex- made it like an extended version of one of them. It was only like a minute and a half, but yeah, yeah, be a bit. It was, uh, but they stretched it out of like a 30, 40 second commercial. Yeah, and I remember downloading it and I burned it onto a CD. How <laughs> <Not> sad! <laughs> I know. I am so sad. I'm so sad. In a sweet way. Mm. Cuts both ways. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's an idiot. <laughs> She's using all her acting ability. Because I feel like if that were to sue, uh, she'd have no legs to stand on. <laughs> I don't think she could afford lawyers to fight back. Hmm. What year did Joan die? Do you remember? Uh, 77. Okay, so this came out quite soon after her death. Oh, yeah. The book came out in 78. Yeah. And they were already uh, talking about making the movie, like, right when the book was published. Yeah, she wasn't even cold. <laughs> she wasn't even cold. Well, as in her well, body she wasn't. was. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Betty Davis always called her daughter, you cold bitch. God. <laughs> and that was because that was because BD wasn't bending to her will. Yeah. So she was a cold bitch. <laughs> I'm gonna start calling my daughter that. And Betty Davis is a Betty Davis was was more comical um in her tirades. Joan was just well, she was worrisome. But yeah. um, Betty Betty Davis had a thing where she would always start something, and then if like the argument got blown out of proportion or somebody started fighting back, 
she would play the victim and she would always say the same thing. Don't do this to me. Not today. And she would throw her fists up in the air. And not today didn't mean anything because it it was just... It could be any day. Yeah. It could be any day. I feel that. It was always, don't do this to me, Big D. Not today. Yeah. Like, I feel that as a victim of that, that might be harder to do. Because I imagine that, like, witnesses of Joan's violence would be very traumatised, whereas witnesses of Betty Davis would, like, start cackling. Like, you know, and that would make the person being abused feel even worse. Like, oh, these people are seeing this happen and they're laughing, you know. Mm. God, Joan's Um, hair is... Well, people did Looking very see, John Waters. <laughs> people did see Betty Davis go off um, a lot. Betty's husband did not like her at all, and he was not shy about letting yeah. her know. Well, good. Um, although I will say this is the fir- and I've seen this movie maybe uh, five, six times. It's the first time I've actually noticed Christina's husband. <laughs> Yeah, that's something, again, they gloss over when she gets married to David. And she also got married when she was 19. Oh, really? Um, but it was, it was short-lived. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. Um, she got divorced to David, I think from David, rather. Um, by the time her second book was out, she was divorced... I mean, it is a long movie with all of the omissions already. I um. Well, it's a long movie because so much of it is fucking Joan's of story. Joan, yeah. But do you think I, that people would have seen it were it just Christina's? No, probably not. Like, I don't think that had Christina not been, rela- you know, had this not been about a celebrity, I don't think the book would have been a number one, you know. Mm. It's that salaciousness. Yeah. I love a good salace. Mm. Um That's my I got them I got it up for sace. Um <laughs> I I I um fucking what was I about to say? I um not completely lost. You love enemies? Where, Where was I going, Fernando? Um we were going to talk uh, about your favorite Christina's book. Um, I don't know. She never had any children. Uh, oh, Christina. Christopher she never, did. She's never taught how to love them. Well, Christina, and I think it's, she said it's probably why her relationship never worked because of everything she dealt with. She had a lot of trouble trusting people. Yeah. Um, but Christopher has had a family. He was very, very private, though, and she remained close to him. Um, the twins knew. Yeah. But then again, I don't really think they even knew each other. Well. Yeah. Well, it it, it kind of feels like the twins were Joan Crawford's attempt at rectifying mistakes of her first two failures, you know, like... Oh, there was another baby, too, in between, um... 
in between the twins and Christopher. Christine, no, in oh. between Christina and Christopher, um, there was another. There was a little boy, and um, I think she named him Christopher too. Oh my god! Um, well, wouldn't the second Christopher be Christopher too? Well, no. See, well, because what happened was um, his his birth mother found out where he was, and it was like a huge spectacle. Like she showed up at Joan's house with the police and everything because she wanted him back. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yes, yeah, she gave Christopher, Christopher one, one back. <laughs> And then she then she adopted Christopher too. She bought Christopher she exchanged two him, yeah, for a off new the model. black off the black market. Because um, in California at that time, single women by law were not uh, allowed to adopt a baby. Yeah. So how was she explaining them? Because they'd have to be like um, documented somehow. Um, well, she knew people who helped. She bought them, and then she knew people who helped her with the legalities of getting yeah. them birth certificates and shit like that. So, um, what a, what, I wasn't sure if it was like a case of like they were documented as being adopted in Guam or something. You know, like that. There's no. a territory of United States where she could adopt. So, no, it was like. I I don't know exactly what she did, but she got them in Nevada. Nevada. Not Nevada. Nevada. And then she brought them over to California and then, you know, went ahead with whatever. I think with Christina, she was still figuring things out, which is why she was Joan Crawford Jr. for the first year of her life. Yeah. She was probably a, a, an, an, an illegal baby. Yeah. Well, the first pancake never comes out, right? Mm, but well, you're supposed to toss that one away. Ah, oh, it all looks the same in the belly. How dare you? Mm. I don't fucking know. I don't make pancakes. I thought you did that kung fu dance when pancakes was mm. on the menu. No, I don't do that. <laughs> she will always beat you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what's weird too? Um, I think with Christopher, I kind of understand why he wasn't uh, in the will. Um because he uh he acted out a lot and he was always getting expelled from school and stuff and as soon as he was old enough he joined the army and he ended up going to vietnam so he really didn't have a relationship with joan um he managed to survive without her quite finally he did he was fine but um even though Christina had her struggles, it was like um, the last like um, three years or so. They weren't on great terms, 
but they were okay. Yeah. Um. So she really ha- had no idea, and yeah, yeah. she was co- she was convinced at first. She was like, she probably wrote this during one of our fights, when she was trying to get back at me or something. But the will, that portion of the will, was uh, done seven months before Joan died. Yeah. Um, apparently, it was contested. And yeah, it I think that was successful. Oh, I thought, that was, I thought that was successful. Um, but have you ever seen these episodes that Joan was in? I'm curious to see how they actually... No, out, which it was, was like, a soap opera from like the fifties. How the fuck no, would I even I, find I it? I thought, well, I thought maybe it'd be YouTube being su- it probably such a wasn't cult even, following. It probably wasn't even uh, saved. Yeah. If it was even, uh, if if it was even, you know, done on film, because a lot of soap operas from that time were done live. I thought, they didn't, oh yeah, yeah, they didn't keep them. I thought this um, was the seventies. She looks very seventies. Well, in the movie it is, but no, because yeah. Christina was born in thirty nine, and really? she got yeah, she got the role on the soap opera when she was like eighteen, nineteen, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And how old was she when Joan died? Um, I want to say thirty eight. Okay. Wait. All right. So. so um, so yeah, early sixties, I, I think the, that that means that soap opera was on. Mm. Um. Well, Christina gave up acting. Um, pr- pretty much after that, because I think she knew that. Joan was never going to let her be successful because Joan was very envious of her. And what happened was she got a part, a small part in an Elvis Presley movie and then she did something else. And then she got a contract with Fox and um, she was going to do a movie and then I don't know who it was, President Fox, somebody from Fox, called her into the office and said, um, what is going on with Joan? Because everything was set for return to Peyton Place. This we she had the script approval. It's been on for a year. Now all of a sudden she's saying she's dropping out right before the contracts are about to be signed. And Christina was like, oh, I think I know what happened. So they basically had to terminate their contract with Christina to save themselves because they had a lot of money invested in Peyton Place. Yeah. And that was a giant movie. That was a Joan movie. Okay. I would have liked to have seen her um, uh, in the... Was it Straight Jacket? Yeah. You know, in those series of movies? Yeah. Like, for that to be discussed in 
mummy dearest, but <laughs> but I guess that would have drawn focus away from Christina. Yeah. Well, mm, there was Joan had so much trouble getting work toward the end, and that's why she did those movies. And when she did Trog, um, Christina thought it was the worst thing she'd ever seen in her life, and she didn't know what she was going to say because Joan expected glowing reviews. And <laughs> it was like fucking um, a, an, a guy in an alien suit and shit. Yeah, and it reminds me of the thing that Penny was in. In Big Bang, in Big Bang, that t- that type of movie. <laughs> I don't remember. Let me finish the story. Yeah. So Christina called, or Joan called her, wanting to know what happened, and um, Christina said something like, um, "Wow, um, it must have been really. It must have been a really. It must have been very challenging because you know you had to work with all those puppets." And Joan just hung up on her. <laughs> That would have been fun to try to figure out nice things to say to someone. So did Joan die in squalor? <laughs> or was she still wealthy when she No. Died? No. I mean, well, she basically drank herself to death. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's played down a lot in the movie, but, she, but toward the end, she was really, really a really bad alcoholic. She had a facelift, and she was drinking in the fucking hospital. <laughs> and her doctor was saying, "You're not healing because you keep drinking." Yeah. And she didn't give a shit. Um, she always had cases of Pepsi. With vodka in it everywhere she went. Um, she was she was even doing that when she was doing Baby Jane. See, she could have been the mother of RTDs. Of like the pre-mixed drinks. <laughs> mm. But you know, I don't think pre-mixed drinks are that big here. I remember reading I... Uh, The Girl on the Train and... Which was a British thriller, yes. and the the main girl was very much an alcoholic. And her, she, what she used to do a lot of the time when she was on the train going to work was she would drink um, premixed gin and tonic. And I yeah, like, I didn't even know they sold that in cans. Yes. Yeah, 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 yep. It's quite nice. Is that? Yeah. Well, the, the ingredients separately aren't, but together they're quite nice. In Pennsylvania, see, I don't really, I never really knew anything about buying alcohol. Well, because I was never really a big drinker anyway, but I never knew anything about buying alcohol because in Pennsylvania you couldn't buy alcohol at like a convenience store or 7-Eleven or a bodega or a supermarket, you had to go to a liquor... You have to go to a liquor store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember when I... When I went to visit my ex in Illinois, we went to a Walmart, and I was like, oh my God, they have generic beer. I've never seen this in my life. It's crazy. Yeah. 
it was like the real the real Coors Light next to the generic Coors Light. <laughs> ah, good times. What will I do? Where will I go? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel um, these oh God, that she should feel more shame for what she allowed to she was so complicit with what happened in the house mm. like unless it's unless it's the case of like this is how a lot of children were treated which isn't good either but like I feel that would be sort of the only excuse that Caroline would have for not speaking up more well, the um, the woman Carol Ann was based on was a woman named, um, I think, Betty or some shit like that, who was um, Joan's secretary for many, many years, and she denied everything. Yeah. She said, I know that never happened. Christina's making that shit up. And Carol Ann was supposed to be, because again, again, this is something else that they glossed over in this movie. Um, because of how crazy Joan was, she had trouble keeping uh I don't like these word servants, but maids and shit um, and secretaries, um, yeah. and everybody kept quitting. So, but there were fans who worshipped her and like would hang up, hang outside like MGM or whatever company she was working for, and um, or outside her house. Were they, were they the ones mailing her letters out? Yeah. Now, yeah. At at the end, yeah. She oh, no, started on, she had those fans. working bees, yeah, where she'd have these women at the table mailing well, letters out. That was, that, they weren't doing... She, was, she wasn't hiring them that early. But toward the end, um, they were the only ones she could get to work for her because, yeah, everybody would quit. And plus, they didn't even want any money. Yeah. And Christina said she saw Joan offer them like a pittance for one point and they wouldn't even take it because yeah, they were yeah. so honored to be working for the Joan Crawford. That was the golden age of Hollywood. It was the golden age of crazy bitches. And you did work for free for John Waters. Maybe not. Or, or Madonna. Mm, no, I think I would probably. I'd probably get smacked around if I worked for a match. Dennis Rodman? <sighs> Absolutely. 100% motherfucker. Mm. You've had a hard on from ever since Simon says. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, but no. Mm-mm. No. 
Well, that was cult classic, Mummy Dearest. A delightful romp. I can't believe you don't like it as much as I do. Well, I like the book better. Okay. If that makes Why don't you marry it then? Maybe I will, bitch. <laughs> oh, did you hear? Brandon says he's going to marry the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Mm. What do you have to say about that? It's always a fun experience. Uh, Is it, though? (laughs) Is it? I mean, looking at it from, and as a film, it is fun. But to look at it from the, you know, that it's based on truth, it's not very fun. Um, It's unfortunate that Christina had to go through this for our enjoyment. Not mine. Such is life. Say lovey. I said, say it. I don't want to. <laughs> um, fucking, um, so, um, are we finished with the credits? I think we are. Should we? Yeah, we're finished with the credits. <laughs> oh, Okay. So hopefully you get a chance to read Christina's sequel and also Carol Ann's no, I read ones. I read Survivor. Oh, okay. Uh, or then, then at least Carol Ann's uh, recount of the of the movie. That would be that should be interesting. I would like to read Carol Ann's book. Yeah. Um, I feel like all of Faye's ghostwriters should write a book about their experience working with her. <laughs> um. Yeah. That should be interesting. Um, and wasn't she on Sunset Boulevard? And wasn't very good on that? I don't fucking know. Or maybe that was just in The Nanny. I don't know. I don't know. But I think enough people already know that Faye was a crazy bitch. They really do, it, the, the, the market really doesn't need... And plus, she's so irrelevant. <laughs> Nobody cares. It's too bad her daughter never wrote a book about it. It could, like, do a sequence of films. Does she even have a daughter? Yeah, that's... I don't know. I don't know what she has. She's got a complex. That would be crazy. Um, yeah. Well, thank you again for having me for uh, this uh, (laughs) December moment of frantic women. Yes, it's, it's Christmas... Mm. We have to. We have, we have to celebrate. Do something special. With a little child abuse. I, ho- I hope the audience have enjoyed my frantic monologues. That that'll be the end of it. Oh, <laughs> mm. uh, we'll see about that. Uh. Mm. Okay. Well, I suppose we're gonna put a cap on this one. A big, big, giant Christmas bell. Mm-hmm. A and cap on Christina's ass. Yes, and next week is the big Christmas episode, so that'll be our Christmas gift to you and our last episode for 2023. Yes. So I hope everybody will tune in for that. 
So until then, I want to say thank you to Tony for joining me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, this is Brandon Ford wishing you all unpleasant dreams.